It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Get ready for a one-of-a-kind event you don't want to miss. Variety's Entertainment Marketing Summit, presented by Deloitte. Register now for this free virtual event, featuring powerful conversations with brand leaders from companies such as Disney, Amazon Prime Video, iHeartMedia, TikTok, and more. They'll discuss the entertainment industry's evolving digital trends, storytelling strategies, and new platforms to deliver marketing messages. Registration is free, but required for virtual access. So visit variety.com slash marketing summit now. From Variety, celebrating 115 years of covering the business of entertainment, this is the Awards Circuit Podcast. I do not like to be disappointed. No one does, right? So you just, you go along and then you get an opportunity like David Fincher calling and all eyes are on him all the time anyway. And I'm not trying to take away my, you know, the the work and presence of mind and all that. I'm just, I'm just saying like when, pe- when David Fincher does anything, people are watching. And so... You know, the first step was really to get into his good graces and and be a part of the world that he created. And then I can do the best work I can do. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to Make star Amanda Seyfried, as well as another round director, Thomas Vinterberg. But first, on the Awards Circuit Roundtable, we recap the SAG Awards, and Clayton gets his first taste of earthquake country. It's all in the latest edition of Variety's Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. I'm Clayton Davis, Film Awards Editor here at Variety, joined today with Janelle Riley. Hey, how's it going? First up, take that, Michael Schneider. <laughs> Jazz Tanke. Hello. Michael Schneider. Hello, and welcome to Los Angeles, Clayton yes. Davis. Yes. Guys, we're in the same time zone for the first time in podcast history. Yeah, and yet it's still in four separate locations. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't be further apart. (laughs) I am in the office though today. I'm at Variety, so it's like it's like we're together. I can see I can see Michael's office sort of. No, I can't. Michael gets an office. (laughs) You could go through our desks uh, that we haven't uh, been in. Yeah, actually, I left a sandwich in my drawer. Could you (laughs) maybe take it? Check in on that. There's got to be food or something somewhere in here that just has lived. Yeah. For well, find the freebie film. table and see what's running on that table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the headline right now, which is Clayton's first night uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> it was a welcome to the West Coast that you'll never forget. 
kind of see if the Inglewood <laughs> Inglewood fault, right? <laughs> so it, I, I'm here with my wife and and my two kids, and it's uh, the kids' first time in in California. It is Jessica, my wife. It's her second time because she came here for the first time in November, and we got here Sunday night, and then at 4 a.m. on Monday, an earthquake happened. And the best way I can describe it was Jessica and I picked our heads up and we looked at each other like cut the blue wire, cut the red wire because <laughs> we didn't know if we should scream, cry, nothing. We just stared. The kids didn't get up. It stopped. And then we just like slowly put our heads back down and we we're like, I guess that was it. Look and at that. Yeah. You're already an Angelino. And <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. This is terrifying. I like, I am such an East Coast. Like, listen, I know people make fun of like everyone for like different things. Like, I make fun of people when they say they got like an inch of snow and they, everything has to go into a state of emergency and shut down. But oh my God, is an earthquake terrifying. Just. And, and then people were like, oh, that was nothing. I was like, it it's, really it was gets worse. nothing. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. It's, it's worse. I've lived here seven years. Okay. <laughs> and the first earthquake I ever experienced, I thought was a 16 wheeler truck going down Fountain <laughs> Avenue. And then it got worse. I have such anxiety from earthquakes. There was one last July four weekend. I think it was last, no, the year before. I don't know. I've lost whatever sense of time, but when we had that earthquake over July four weekend, and there was another one 24 hours later. That was bad. That was a bad one. That was so bad, and you never get over it. I cannot even. There's no amount of therapy hours that will help you get through. <laughs> yeah. Anxiety. Well, actually, my my trauma therapist told me that in order to have a because I I hate to fly. In order to have a good flying experience, you have to have like ten good experiences to negate the bad one. So ten more earthquakes. Oh, good. And it'll be fine. They just have to be good earthquakes. Yeah, yeah. The fun ones, like this one. This was just like a quick, it was like, now, now the sign of a true Angelino, Clayton, is did you grab your phone real quick and tweet out, earthquake, and then go to bed? <laughs> is, is that, so, so what, yeah, what is supposed to be, what is our reaction supposed to be? Because some people are like, oh, I slept right through it. And then there are people that go to like earthquake Twitter, which I didn't know was a thing. Oh, until, yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. And then, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. This, this is going to take some time to get used it's to. It's a thing. You, you go to earthquake Twitter and then you text all your friends. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? And it's literally the same thing. You go back to Twitter to just double check and then you check on the wife, kids, cats in that order. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you, Jazz, funny about that that earthquake, July 4th, uh, 2019, I was out of Oof. town. We were on a family vacation. And so I suddenly see earthquake Twitter go into overdrive. And I honestly, I had FOMO. I had this like, oh, no. It was like, bad. Totally. Like, everyone is like, sh they have this shared experience. They just went through, like, the craziest earthquake in, like, a decade. And here I was, like, you know, on the beach with my family. Like, well, we missed the big one. I'm about to say probably the most obnoxious thing I've ever said on this podcast. And that's saying a lot. That earthquake was so bad, it knocked my Emmy over. <laughs> <laughs> it fell off the shelf and clipped its wing. Yeah. Oh. And then the, the oh aftershocks God. were so bad. I remember I was in a theater watching a live theater performance and it started shaking and the actress on stage just kind of froze. And she's like, and the lights were swinging. And she's like, maybe we should all step outside. <laughs> oh, so my goodness. Can, 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 I need to ask one last thing, because if anyone follows me on social media, they know I'm very, very proud of my film collection. 
I have an Oscar wall of every Best Picture nominee. How the hell do I live here with that stuff? Like, what do you guys do, like, with bookshelves and stuff? It's very rare. Yeah, mine is in a in plastic container because I have a grab bag and my DVDs that I want to grab in the event of, like, the big... <laughs> You have, a go, you have a go bag for a movie? Yes. <laughs> she is smart. We're telling you. This all, you know what? Let's check in in a year because this all okay. sounds outrageous to you now. Yeah. And uh, you're so gonna... many people are like, this is the worst episode. Like, what are we talking Like, Clayton, this is not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, first world problems. Like, so honestly, like, I'm just like, oh, my God, I need to, like, nail every movie or glue it to the wall. And hopefully it's very rare stay. for things to fall over. That's why okay. the 2019 was one was so crazy. It was it was the biggest one I've ever experienced since I've really? moved out here. And really? I've been here, yeah, since I was 20. Yeah. So la- last year? That's crazy. Oh, that's cool. Bless yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, 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 so next time we'll talk about the fires. We'll save that for the next episode. <laughs> which is and then why, the traffic. Which is why I don't want to live in the valley. Like, I just feel like anywhere where there's, like, trees and stuff, I feel like I don't want to be near them. But I don't know oh, if that's, Oh, the fire like, will get you, the, the smoke will get you wherever you are, so. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So come, be my neighbor. <laughs> Right. Well, welcome to Los Angeles, Clay. Welcome, thank exactly. you. I can't wait for it to be permanent. This is going to be great. I'm pro- I'm it's sure it great. It's yeah. great. It's I. I've been here twenty five years there, there, now. Twenty five. <laughs> you were here when you were born. Crazy. <laughs> yes. You and Janelle, you guys know like the exact date that you guys got here. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and um, I wouldn't live anywhere else. But anyway, so yeah. so, so sag. <laughs> I, you guys, I want you to know at, at the SAG Awards, I had prepared a tweet that I was all ready to send out when Ted Lasso was named Best Ensemble about Aww. how the three of you were doubters because there was a leak that said that Ted Lasso won Ensemble. Yes. And I know I shouldn't put any stock in leaks, but. Well, um, clear, I, clearly I, not. That was a, like that was the leak that everyone was like, oh, I guess Ted Lasso. And I, I, I had predicted Shit's Creek and I was like, well, I guess I'm wrong. But. Yeah, the the, le- the leaks were like. I mean, listen. Obviously, it was out of SAG's hands, but like, they like, did a the good le- job the, keeping. I mean, it was, yeah, as as good as they could do, you know. So, except like the the TV leaks were were way more uh, hard to follow, I guess, than any of the other leaks that were out there. Yeah, there there were no good TV leaks. The the film leaks, yeah, the the film leaks kind of came out, but but TV leaks, they the I, I got to say the. Team TV, they they kept it mature. They kept it under wraps somehow. Wait, hold on. But he's burying the lead here, guys. We need to congratulate Michael Schneider on a perfect prediction what? on the really? TV side. Yes, congratulations. Oh, but you know what? Mine was perfect except for Bateman. Ooh. Yeah. Who did you pick? Who did you pick? Josh O'Connor? Um, yes, and at the last second, I switched to Ray Jean Page. Ooh, that's, yeah. that, that wasn't a bad call. Like, yeah. like honestly, that that race was open. Yeah, that was the that was the one that was the toughest, the 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 toughest to predict. And and you know, I just went with Bateman because he was yeah you established. Know, good call. He was establishment. So yeah, yeah. He, he was he was my he was my two. Um, but oh, and obviously I, think, I got ensemble wrong because I went with Ted Lasso. Oh, I, yeah. I actually I stay with Shit's Creek. I think I got like maybe too wrong. I think on on TV, but like there was nothing. There were no real sh- shockers, I guess, quote unquote. Like, no, not really. No, Everything Crown f- did really well. I think. I think Jillian Anderson, by the way, I think her. Um, she's the first supporting performance to win that category in like quite some time. Yeah, quite some yeah. time. 
That's uh, just how damn good she is. Yeah. I, I, do, you, do you think she was with it? Do you think that was close? Or do you think? I do. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Emma, Emma Corrin probably had a lot of votes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, it, it, again, it comes down to the most established. Yeah. But oh, by the way, here it is: Maggie Smith, Downton Abbey, twenty thirteen. That's of last course, Maggie Smith. There you go. And then before that, Jessica Lange, American Horror Story, twenty eleven. Which I guess oh she was supporting. God. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I, I guess I think that might be it. Was, was Chandra Wilson? She was she lead in no, Grey's she's Anatomy? Supporting, but she's so, so damn good. She oh, may so as then, well be so, lead. <laughs> so, so then, two thousand six for her, and then. Uh, Francis Conroy, Six Feet Under, 2003, and Allison Janney, 2000. So it's happened a couple times. It happens, yeah. Actually, actually, quite a few times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not, it was way more than I thought. Yeah, no, I, was, I, I didn't realize how like often it, it happens, but good, good for good for Jane Anderson. That's going to translate to Emmy big time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can't see her losing. Uh, Mike, can, can I ask you something? Like, and I don't, and this is in no way shade to Emma, uh, but do you? Are you surprised that Emma's run away with it, kind of with the crown and not Olivia in terms no. of like prizes? You didn't ask me, but no. <laughs> Emma, had the, says no. Emma yeah. had the story this season. Yeah. yeah. I, I I am a little surprised though, just because that doesn't that doesn't always matter. You know, when when you have someone as established as Olivia Coleman and as an awards bait as Olivia Coleman and Emma Corrin being so unknown up until now. Yeah. Um, you know, it so that that's where it surprises me. I mean, she was fantastic. So that's where it doesn't surprise me. But yeah, just from name re- recognition. I'm not sold on uh, like that. She's got Emmy like locked up, but she's definitely going to be up. There's going to be a tight category. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. A contender, but yeah, it's definitely not not locked at all. To be honest, I didn't think the this season of The Crown, season four, really focused that much on Olivia Coleman's character. As strange as that sounds, um, you know, and really the, the juicy scenes were given to Emma Corrin, and yeah. Olivia Coleman is just so fantastic, you know, that she commands every scene she's in. Yeah, I mean, the, the the give and take with her and Gillian Anderson was pretty great. And then there's the the episode with the intruder. So so you had so enough of Olivia Coleman where, uh, you know, she's definitely a contender as well still. There is never enough Olivia Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> um, male actor, TV, movie, miniseries, Mark Ruffalo ends his reign. He got, he got through it all. He swept it all. Good for him. Yep. Anya Taylor-Joy begins her reign for the Queen's Gambit, a female <laughs> actor. TV movie, miniseries. Um, that's the end of Kate Blanchett's run for Mrs. America and Nicole. Kid- Wait, is that? Yeah. Nicole? Mc- no, no, Michaela Cole still goes to Emmy. Yeah. Dun- 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 Dunes this year. Yeah. 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 Nicole yeah. Yeah. is also the show. Oh, Kerry Washington. I think that's done. That's now, the end right? of her, that's yeah, the, yeah. her run. Okay, yeah. thank you. Uh, male actor drama, Jason Bateman, as we said. Uh, Gillian Anderson took female actor drama. Jason Sudeikis. Yay! And he, up, he upgraded from his hoodie to a sweater. I, I love that the hoodie's his thing now. <laughs> I, I did love the joke in the uh, the sketch yes. in the beginning too. Sad um, hoodie. Yeah, yeah. Who wears a hoodie to an award show? Exactly. Yeah. Well, he's going through some things. Um, <laughs> real quick, let's go back to male actor because let's talk about the the big shocker Ooh. of last week: Reggae Jean Page not returning for season two of Bridgerton. Um. I wonder how that uh, impacts his Emmy run. 
Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't I think about yeah. I, I didn't think about it that that way. I, I have to be honest. I I don't know if I really thought of him as in hot contention for an Emmy Award. He should be, but I always saw that as something that was be more Globes and SAG. Um, but maybe this changes it, yeah. knowing it's the only yeah, season to reward I, him. This feels like Empire 2.0, though. How so? Yeah. Like, like just like like that freshman season that they think they're going to go so big for a, a, a show, and then they just don't in the end. Or Brooklyn Nine-Nine is another uh, example. Like, that yeah. first season, everyone thought, like, it was going to go everywhere, and then it was just Andre Brower in the end. So... I mean, the good thing is, I think he would be the like Empire had just Taraji, Brooklyn Nine Nine had just Andre, so maybe Reggae would be the only thing if that ended up being what happens. But it's right. We, it's it's gonna be a very condensed season. We'll see what happens, but I think it could help. Yeah, yeah, it definitely can't hurt. Now that everyone knows this is the only chance to to get him on the show and give him some some Emmy love, but. Are you going to audition now, Mike, for for the show? <laughs> for season two, yes. Yeah, you should go for you it. You know, why, I why feel not? bad because the second season is going to focus on a different character and having to follow that first season, and particularly reggae, is going to be hard. <laughs> and, and I know people said that he's not in the second books or whatever, but like, like if you see how much of a success it has been, I'm surprised they didn't just be like, I wondered know, about just, that. Just yeah, the moment it. I watched the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I assume he'll be off busy filming James Bond, so just gonna put that into the universe. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they're gonna run. They're gonna run to that. So I mean, listen, it's a good time to do it. Like, might as well just go for it. Did you see he was? I was reading somewhere that he was. Um, he was going to. He auditioned to be in like the DC universe to play Superman's grandfather. At one point, I did not see that article. Oh, it was. It was in a. Yeah, it, I think it just came out. Don't you be spreading fake news on the internet like this? Mm, yeah, because that never happens. <laughs> Everything is real, uh, as as seen by the leaks. Uh, Catherine O'Hara, Shit's Creek finishes her run. The Crown grabs ensemble. Shit's Creek grabs ensemble. Stunt ensemble. Mandalorian. Why? Just oh, why won't they just give them time on the show? Like why yeah. does that be an hour? Like it's mm-hmm. it takes what like ten seconds. Like it's really. Annoying. Although overall, I thought the show was very efficient and good. Yeah, an hour flew by. Uh, stunt ensemble for motion picture, Wonder Woman 1984. Sorry, I made you change your bet. <laughs> you, you, you know what made me so mad about that is I had that all you did SAG predictions, and then the last my final predictions, I switched to Mulan. I was Janelle's it, it was, fault. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, for supporting actress, our favorite grandmother, Yoon Jin Yoon. Oh, she it was she was so adorable when they called her name. Yeah. Oh, her, her yeah. reaction was priceless. So cute. Uh, do you think? Do we think she did it for Oscar, or do you think it's still very much a race? I don't know because um, Amanda Seyfried was not did not compete at SAG, and she will be competing for the Oscar can see it going that way. They love their ingenues in that category. Still not ruling out Maria Bakalova. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I, Amanda, who's guest this week, um, I, I come to, I think she's a spoiler. I think, I think, I think Maria could do it too. Uh, but as we, as we see, like they just don't do comedies like, like as often as we like them to, 
Um, however, I think she's still very much in the convo. But Amanda could do and listen in this weird year mm-hmm. that like everything's crazy. Like why not? Like Marsha Gay Harden won with nothing beforehand. Not a SAG nomination, not a Globe nomination, not a Critics Choice nomination. She had just a New York Film Critics Circle win, and she got nominated at Oscar and won Oscar. So. You never know. Supporting actor Daniel Kaluuya locked and loaded. I think so. Yeah. Oh, and then, by, by the way, Saturday Night Live over the yeah. weekend kind of yes. sealed it. He was so fantastic. Good. That was one of the better SNLs of the season, and that that was all him. Yeah. His yeah. posture as the Nigerian father, like every, everything, the way he held his body, the way like he kind of had shifted his gut. I was like, this guy is like bringing commitment to these sketches. Emmy and Oscar winner in the same year. I think guest actor Emmy is going to like, he, he may sure. get in for that and he might be really competitive. I mean, that was a great, that was a great, uh, uh monologue. I mean, oh, he just, yeah. he just killed it at the start. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was great. Daniel for EGOT begins here. Yeah, he now. <laughs> um, Chadwick locked and loaded Ma Rainey's black bottom. I think that. Being a sweep, it's hard to argue yeah. with. Yeah, and I mean, it's ba- a great performance. Yeah, BAFTA's coming up, but even even if he lost BAFTA, like to Anthony Hopkins, which very well could happen. Sure, because you know it's it's, it's home field advantage. It, it's it's really hard to like think that they would go elsewhere, which brings us to the shock of the night, and it, not not shocking in a lot of ways, but is shocking. Well, she was shocked. Let's put she it that was, way. Yes, <laughs> reaction was brilliant. Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I mean, uh, at the end of the wow. day, it's not shocking. Not, yeah. Yeah, like it, but, yeah. <laughs> so, so here's what's shocking all about it in the in its totality. Uh, we have never had a different winner at every single televised award show for a lead actress. So it's going to be the first time that that's happened. Uh, what, depending on what happens at BAFTA this weekend, which I think it's going to go to Vanessa Kirby this this weekend, on Oscar night, all of them will have one win under their belt, except for Francis McDormand, who led Critics Prizes for the mm. season. So it is honestly wide open, but there's some history and precedent. Like, it's going to be unprecedented no matter what happens. But Andra, if it is her, she missed SAG because it was a late start uh, to, to the campaign, give or take. Um, but she would be the first one to do it without BAFTA or SAG. Viola, if she wins with Chadwick, no, no film has won two acting nominations. No, I'm sorry, two lead wins without Best Picture, Director, or Screenplay. Ma Rainey has none of those things. There, there have just been there have just been two films that have won two acting prizes in general. Then there were lead in supporting, and they happened back to back years: Miracle Worker and HUD in the '60s. That's crazy. So we and we also have never had uh, two black performers win leads before. So there's that. Carrie, I have a hard time thinking Emerald wins and Carrie loses. I just I've always felt like they're a package deal, but who knows there? And uh, uh, Vanessa Kirby on a on a BAFTA win only. Like I mean, in this field would be crazy. I I, I don't know. And Francis on a third, third slash fourth because of Nomadland wins Best Picture. She's winning an Oscar there too. This whole season is weird, and I don't know anyone who says they know who wins Best Actress is a liar. On for United States versus Billie Holiday and Pieces of a Woman, they that's their only nominees. There are, there's nothing else 
across the rest of the categories. Yep, only only two actresses have won in the last 20 years being the sole nominations. Julianne Moore still Alice, and we knew what time it was at that time. It was time to give Julianne Moore an Oscar. And Charlize Theron in Monster, which was an undeniable, she swept the season, and technically a shocking snub on the morning, Oscar morning for makeup, because people thought it was going to get makeup and win makeup. So, Billy, 63% of the Academy membership are in the artisan categories. Are they going to make time for Billy Holiday? I'm not convinced. I uh, I think that considering SAG's track record, we have to consider Viola the front runner at this point. So it's it's sort of surprising to me that people... You know, like, it's still wide open. I mean, it is. Everything is. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm not prepared yet to, to... I mean, Oscar voting hasn't even started. Um, I'm, I'm not prepared yet to uh, to give up on Carrie Mulligan. Viola's win is definitely the most significant. But in the last 10 years, uh, Best Actress at SAG has been wrong twice. Coincidentally, wow. with two people that are nominated this year. You Glenn really? Close. Glenn Close for The Wife. We lost Olivia Coleman, And the other one, Viola Davis. The help. That's right. She lost to Iron Lady. She lost to Meryl Streep on Oscar night. That's right. Which would be, by the way, Viola Davis, most uh, awarded uh, woman, most awarded person in SAG film history now joins Renee Zellweger and Daniel Day-Lewis with three. Incredible. She's. Well, and six overall because she has ensemble. And wins as well, yeah. Did two TVs or whatever. Like, yeah, she's the machine. And those things are heavy. Like, what? what oh, what, so shell, heavy. What, what earth, earthquake is going to prevent those from falling over? Like, like that, that's bananas. <laughs> we need to check in on that. Yeah. Uh, like, Viola Davis. Like, again, I keep saying this, but that category is insanely good. I would be happy with any, any of these of winners. Yeah. yeah. And I think also there's just that narrative that's speaking now, too. We need, like, it's been 20 years since Halle Berry. Um, there has, there's only been one black actress to win. I think they want to probably give it to a black actress. So either of them would be there. And coincidentally, when Hallie won hers, Denzel was an upset. I think everyone forgets that part. Denzel won Oscar with nothing before Oscar night because Russell Crowe won Globe, BAFTA, SAG because everyone thought he was going to go back to back for A Beautiful Mind. So... I feel like I could be wrong. I feel like there was a narrative at the time that's that Russell sort of it was the 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 uncharmed people. Yeah, it was the phone. The phone happened right before that. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll just see what happens. And then Charlie Chicago seven one ensemble. Uh, I think it makes it kind of the number two. But oh, yeah, but I mean, look, we had spotlight and uh, sorry, what was the other one? Spotlight is a good comparison. Spotlight is right. like because picture and screenplay, but Green Book one without director, Argo. Spotlight lost PGA but won SAG, and then ultimately ended up winning Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. Spot Spotlight only did it with SAG Ensemble. Parasite also did it with just exactly. SAG that was the other one. Parasite, yeah. And look, um, Trial of Chicago Seven. That's I don't think anyone's putting that at number eight. You oh, know, yeah. I think it's going to be pretty high on most people's lists. So, yeah, we'll see. It's not over. Mike, what have you seen this week from the Oscar nominees? Any? Uh, let's see. So I've seen Nomadland, Minari, uh, Trial, uh, Finally Saw Promising Young Woman. Ooh, what'd uh, you think? I've not. Yeah. I've 
uh, we, my wife and I watched it together and, and it was like, I mean, we, we, we loved it. It was great. Okay. It was, right. yeah. Did you see how ready we all were to jump down Mike's throat? <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't sure what the expectations from you guys were. I mean, it's a good movie. <laughs> I, 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 I like it. I don't like, there are people who adore it and like will kill people who say that Careful. they don't. I know. <laughs> You've got don't, one of them here. Be careful, Ma. Uh, I mean, you all, you all know my my favorite of the season is Minardi. I, I, I adore that movie. Um, so good, so yeah, good. Yeah, still, still an upset pick, by the way. I, I think, agree. Can still I think, do it. I, I think it could it could sneak and do some damage. So we'll see. More importantly, did you watch Kong versus Godzilla? I have not seen Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> or so, sorry, Godzilla versus I love, Kong. I love that you said it backwards, though. No, no. You're well, that's keep because it that. the movie really should be called Kong featuring Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, my God. That, that's not on top of the list, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to you. We'll see what happens. Um, with that, we moved to BAFTA this weekend. Uh, I think if Nomadland wins, by the way, Nomadland, if, if I'm pretty, pretty sure it's going to win BAFTA. But the last six years running, BAFTA has been wrong. With Oscar, six years in a row. I was at BAFTA last year. You went? To, did you? You went to BAFTA? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm usually there for uh, uh, Variety does Ten Brits to watch, and it's tied um, to BAFTA, so it's always a lovely time. You will not be there this year. I am not, which is a bummer. the The after party is a blast. And then uh, we Oscar will be at the train station. Still, evidently. We should go to uh, buy a train ticket on Oscar night and just like roll by. Take a train. And just scream out the window like as you walk by. Oh, God bless you. Thank you. I hopefully covered the sound of that you, sneeze. You, you did not. Didn't. Nope. No. <laughs> I blew everyone's ears out. I'm not sorry. Not a little bit. But. Uh, oh, my gosh. Um, slightly off topic. I had to take a COVID test because I was going to a set and they sent someone to my house and they, they showed up like Amy Adams in Arrival in a big hazmat suit. Oh, wow. And it wasn't really Amy Adams, Clayton. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she jammed that Q-tip up my nose. And I start, I, I, I was fine for like five seconds. And then I started coughing and gagging and sneezing. And I felt so bad for this woman. Um, and then uh, once everything got settled, she was like, okay, now the other nostril. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, they, they did a double nostril. Wait, why? <laughs> I don't know because oh. I pissed her off. Who knows? That's rough. <laughs> yeah. did, did you get for coughing? Janelle yeah. Riley, don't cough again. <laughs> I really tried not to, but oh god. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I got my first shot last week too, so I'm halfway there, living on a prayer. Uh, Jessica got her second shot. We got it the same day, so we're 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 half we're getting there. We got the J and J. We got the one jab. One oh, did, you? Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that doesn't made it to New Jersey yet. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, so this week, guests are Amanda. Say it. Cyfred. Cy Very nice. Cyfred, which I asked her on the episode. I said, please tell, teach us how to say your name, please. She said she's not even sure, by the way. So that's what makes it hilarious. And Thomas Vinterberg, surprise director nominee oh for gosh. another round. That's great. Got some breaking news on uh, Amanda's interview, so wait till you hear it. It's going to be amazing. She might be defying gravity. Hint, hint. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I assume she might be popular. Mm, nice. Eh, Better. Eh. 
We can't all come and go, my bubble, Janelle. <laughs> all right, we'll see you on the circuit. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of the season. It's almost over. <laughs> Bye. It's Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Mank is directed by David Fincher off a script written by his father, Jack Fincher, prior to his death in 2003. Gary Oldman stars in the film as Citizen Kane screenwriter Herman Mankiewicz, while Amanda Seyfried portrays William Randolph Hearst's mistress, Marion Davies. Hello, Tokyo? London, you there? Ah, nerds. What is that? Ah, Pops' radio phones. Never ever be out of touch with your empire. No, no. What's nerds? Nerds is Brooklynese for nuts. Jeepers. Variety Film Awards editor Clayton Davis recently spoke to Amanda Seyfried about working with David Fincher on his old Hollywood examination of Citizen Kane, one of the greatest films ever made. She also exclusively shares with Variety that she has sent in her recording of Popular from the hit musical Wicked, which is being produced by Universal Pictures and helmed by In the Heights director John M. Chu. They began by clarifying the correct pronunciation of her last name. If you're looking at it, you take the E's out. Seyfried. Mm. Seyfried. But that's only how I say it. It's not, it doesn't <laughs> end here. The buck doesn't stop here. You can say it. Like, it's a, God knows how it was first pronounced, you know, in German. <laughs> you, don't know you don't know where it originated, so we're just going to start there. I don't know. It could have been Siegfried at one point, you know. Wow. Yeah, things, things evolve over time, and I don't know where it started, but I know that I say Seyfried, and I know that my sister says Seyfried. To go with the sister, then. We'll, we'll stick with the family. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we're going to go with the way I say it, because I win. <laughs> Always. Well, let's talk about you uh, celebrating more winning for yourself an Oscar nomination. <sighs> yeah, it's. Can you? If I mean, two, I didn't. two of four Mean Girls are now Oscar nominated. We're working through them very, very quickly. That's the, that's life goal. Yeah, it it wasn't really. You know, you can't have goals like that because <laughs> you you more often than not will be disappointed. Um, and I do not like to be disappointed. No one does. Right. So you just, you go along and then you get an opportunity like David Fincher calling and all eyes are on him all the time anyway. And I'm not trying to take away my, my, you know, the, the work and, and just the, you know, presence of mind and all that. I'm just, I'm just saying like when people, when David Fincher does anything, people are watching. And so, you know, the first step was really to get into his good graces and, and be a part of the world that he created. And then I can do the best work I can do with him. So I'm, I'm like, I'm super, super grateful that all this good stuff for me in my career and performance is happening surrounding this masterpiece that he made. Um, can you take me back to March 15th on Oscar nomination morning? Did you watch or did someone call you? What, what, what were you doing? So, um, I made, uh, I was deliberately not putting my phone, my, keeping my phone on silent. It's always on silent anyway. Um, I was going to wait, hold on. Is that why you don't text me back when I'm texting you and saying, yo, what up? Like, we're, we're, silent. yeah, to heart. 
I get it now. Everything is on silent. I made that decision years ago and it's been the best decision I ever made. <laughs> the only <laughs> thing that's not on silent is my midwife who at one point I was, I was a doula. I mean, I was training with her. Um, and, and my brother-in-law, because at one, one day he babysat my daughter and my mother. So if my phone is not on silent, it's still on silent. Mm, anyway, yeah. That's a good trick. Um, I get no notifications, but yeah, no, that's true. I am. Um, yeah. I, but anyway, I didn't put my alarm on and I didn't want the first person to tell me good or bad news to be my publicist. I wanted my mom to be able to deliver whatever was going to be delivered. And cause she lives with us. She's our nanny. And, um, I will take all the sleep I can get you know, after my, my son feeds in the morning around like seven, we both take a nap. And so, uh, she woke me up and with good news. I know. Yeah. Wait, 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 was it screaming or she was just like, Amanda, she yeah. had her phone up to her ear with my publicist <laughs> um, who called her cause she couldn't get in touch with me. See what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, you got it. And I woke up, I was like, I think it was like eight 30 in the morning. I was like, because you never know you're sleeping. So nothing matters. You're not conscious. Yeah. So any news that comes in and out is just brand new. Like there's no thought. And so that was special. That was really special. It was very nice to be able to talk about, listen, I've been talking about this movie forever. I'm sitting here on April 5th when, you know, this whole campaign season is usually over by, you know, a mile and <laughs> it's okay to be talking about it because like, and I got to talk about it that whole day. Right. Um, I think, you know, variety deadline and Hollywood reporter. And it's just like, it's nice to talk about something you care about and that you're proud of. And it's a person that really, really existed. And we got to re reshape her legacy. And that, that's like a whole other thing. That's a whole, a whole nother level to this whole, um, award season. Oh, it's awesome. We're, we're all so happy for you. Like, you know, as especially like, you know, we, we followed your career for a while, you know, such a long time and you've really dipped into such, uh, different roles than kind of what people know, have known you for. Obviously we always like publicly probably in the mass hysteria, we start with mean girls, but you know, as of late, you know, you get into working with Paul Schrader and then, you know, now David Fincher, I mean, like you're going for it. What do you find yourself really attracted to uh, these days in terms of roles? Are you just kind of looking for anything that's just going to speak to you? It changes. I mean, it's gotten a little more specific as I've gotten older and as I've played more roles, but I, I want to be in the hands of a great director and I, and that I think the script is obviously where it all starts, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the basis of the whole, the whole project, the whole story. It's how the story is told. It has to be interesting, at least to the point where it, it makes sense, but, but it brings you in. And I, I hate reading. I'm an audible person. And so, you know, I know within the first 10 pages of the script is going to be something that I want to be a part of. And the older I get, the better the roles are, which didn't used to be true. Um, once you have a baby, it's like, you're not the ingenue anymore. And you're, you know, it, it's different now. I get to play mothers who are innately more interesting to me. Um, 
And now it's just about making sure it's, it's worth my time being away from, from kids for a full, full day, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, you have somebody like Paul Schrader and he sends you a script and you're like, this is, uh, what, what, what is this? It's Paul Schrader. That's all you have to say. Um, I had some questions about that script. <laughs> I was also pregnant. And when I told him that I was pregnant, he was like, this is even better. You're really going to be pregnant. And, you know, it's it's a meeting of the minds, really, at the end of the day. Like, if you if you understand their story, their passion for the story, and the way they're going to tell it, you're going to want to be a part of it. And that's that will hold true for the rest of my career, no matter how many children I have. I'm stopping it, too. But... <laughs> Yeah. And also the whole, the whole thing about a career, right. Is, um, the only thing, the only thing I wanted, my only full goal was to continue working until I'm dead, whenever that may be. And, and so in order to help that be true, to solidify that is to hide in different roles and make people keep people guessing. Well, I like, I like the, uh, like the strategy just going to keep popping out, popping through different movies and genres until. Yeah. And if a, if a Mamma Mia three comes along, yes. Um, <laughs> I've been campaigning for wicked for five years. You know, I. Amanda, we, we literally, I literally talked about that. Like two, like two years ago, I was like, guys, you need to jump on Amanda. Like, like. I was saying the same thing. Like <laughs> clock's ticking here. Cause I've like. Been, I've on. been seeing it. The, like I. When I got pregnant the second time, I finished Mank, and and then it was the pandemic. So I used that time to do voice lessons uh, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and also to help me breathe with the the filling of the body. Yeah. And um, I I'm like I've never been more ready to to hit those notes and let us be glad. You know what I mean? <laughs> I will sing to you. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, you, there's things that you will always be attached to and want to do no matter how old you get. If they still haven't made wicked by the time I'm 50, then fine. I'll let it go. But, and, but there are other things that just pop in and like scripts that come in and change your life. And you're like, I have to be part of this, you know, some things, you know, and some things you don't, and you have to kind of go with the flow and the momentum and you can't control everything. Can I, can I ask you, who do you want to do wicked with? Who, who, who's your, who's your dream co-star? Um, for a while, it was Anna Kendrick because I thought that her alpha book would be really solid. And, um, you know, I, I, I sing the high notes and she can sing. She can be the alpha. She can be like the she's an incredible singer. Um, I mean, she's the only one I can really I mean, at one point it was Anne Hathaway, too. I was like, well, you know, obviously <laughs> the alphabet. Um I, I thought I thought you and Samantha Barks for a long time. Oh well, that was the original. I mean, I remember driving. I was driving in our in my car with Samantha in LA right when she had moved there, and I was like, "Can we just can we sing for good? Just can we just because I have the karaoke right here and I put it on." You you guys did your carpool karaoke without? Yeah, yeah I was like the camera you. present. True. I mean, Samantha Barks' voice. There's nobody else like Samantha Barks. Um. <clears throat> but but that was the original idea and then you think of all these other people that you would want to work with and samantha's my number one um because her voice i mean there's nobody better no there's no better singer in the world i think and um 
And she's saying, of course, I was not ready for Glinda at that point. It was years ago, maybe like eight years ago, but it was still, it's really fun to sing with her. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so mad that this happened somewhere in the universe and we were just sitting around. <laughs> in LA, like, right. Not even paying attention. Like right now, Amanda and Samantha Barks are just driving driving in the street, just singing. Oh, her voice. I miss it. I know. So much. All right. So listen, it's right here. It's out there. Amanda wants it. Let's make it happen. Like right now. It's gonna happen. Oh my god, John Chu's directing it. He's coming like, off it, coming off in the heights. It's a good uh Oh my god, I can't good. wait. I cannot. <laughs> I'm, oh. a, I'm a musical musics, musicals for the for my whole life. Yeah. In fact, my my mom and I just drove up from Georgia. I was in Georgia for a while because mm-hmm. I was working there, and we drove we drove the kids um, through Virginia and Pennsylvania, and we decided that it was going to be Hamilton. As soon as yeah, Hamilton the whole way again. <laughs> uh, let me let me ask you some more stuff about this this uh, award season, and obviously in relation to Mank. I'll talk, I'll talk wicked with you all day long, by the way, for the rest, yeah. for the rest of, for the rest of my life. Um, but with, with Mank, obviously this is the longest award season in history. We're all exhausted. Um, yeah, I honestly, I don't know how you do it. I mean, it, people, talking to people like you gets me, gets me through it. It's pretty, <laughs> we're pretty okay. <laughs> um, no, but like, you know, longest award season, uh, you know, you're doing all this press, you know, you had a baby in the pandemic, you're dealing with the pandemic. Uh, you know, now at, as we turn the corner, I think of the pandemic, right? I think we can say we're, we're turning the corner. Um, what do you feel most appreciative of? Like, what have you like learned about yourself or just like that, that one kind of life lesson? I mean, I, I, everyone kind of has their own interpretation yeah, so of it. I mean, I imagine it's similar. I mean, it's, to, to what you probably, I'm not to put words in your mouth, but uh, you have no choice but to really look around you and see what you have. Um, it's blinding. The the things that we, um, we forget, the things that we look past every day when we're going about our, about our work and about our lives and, and the, you know, putting, feeding the kids. And you actually had so much time to, to really look around you. Um, like every fiber of your life and what you've, what you've built. And, um, and if you choose to see it in a, in a good way, in a positive way, which is hopefully most more than, more than us. And, um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, I'm, it's, it's so, it was very grounding and I'm, I'm very present for the most part. I mean, as stressed as I am from with normal life with kids and babies and not sleeping, it's, it's also like, yeah, okay, this is a phase, but I'll never get that. I'll never get that year back. And now I really know what I need to see in order to feel sane and to feel grateful. Um, because I have the, I have the choice, right. To feel, to whine or to, um, feel like I'm grateful. And, and I, and I, yeah, <laughs> that, is, that has been made clear to me that I have a lot to be grateful for and how dare I, so glass is half glass is half full. Like we definitely have that glass is half full mentality. Yeah, especially um, with vaccines too. It's like I'm God, I'm so grateful for science. I just love science so much. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's been a rough time. But like I said, returning the corner, feel, it feels good. Yeah. Um, I have a few fun questions for you. Um, because this is a movie about classic cinema. And let me preface this. Does it mean you're eliminating this the, the actress from history? Just a, just a fun little thing. Is there a classic movie you would have loved to like star in if you were uh, alive during the era of the 30s and 40s? Like you'd be like, I would have wanted that role. And give that a shot. Uh, the Philadelphia Story. She's Catherine just badass. My favorite Catherine Hepburn performance. Oh yeah, well yeah. yeah. Same. I mean, oh, just I don't know the way she walks through the world. Hmm. Those act. Those guys. This just uh, fucking cool. Um. And also a movie that I really that I've been able to watch over and over again. Not like as a from teenagehood, not, you know, I'm, I, it wasn't easy to watch black and white movies when I was a teenager, even though my dad had them on all the time, it was not as interesting to me. And then it, and then that made it, made it interesting. I mean, there are other movies too, but that was the thing. That was the actress that she was the actress. She was the person that I was just like, I don't think I could ever do that. (laughs) That'd be a really fun role for you. I actually, I thought, because I always uh, just, you know, I cast my own people in movies sometimes. I, I would have loved to see you in, like, in, in uh, All About Eve. Oh, boy. I really, I'm so sad that I missed that. Jillian um, <laughs> Anderson and Lily, Lily James. Yeah. Ugh. I'm, like, in, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, maybe, but I'm, like, in the middle of those two. <laughs> You're right there, right there. Where do I go? <laughs> um... Like kind of last question I want to wrap up with when you when you look back uh, now with this time and, I, and I'm a very big uh, advocate for allowing people who get Oscar nominated to tell you it's okay to feel like you're super happy and you're stoked about this is like the best time um, ever you know in your life and you know this is so exciting for you when you look back at this, like, you know, your kids are older and they're going to see that their mom got nominated for an Academy award. Um, why do you act? I guess that's the big thing. When you look back, you say, why did I become an actor? What, what, what can you tell them? What will you tell them? It's so tough. I was just at home. I was just in Pennsylvania at my childhood home looking through books that I had written because we had a publishing company in the basement of our elementary school. And I, I found one that I did when I was in fifth grade called the cat talking about the catnip freak. And it was about my cat and the back page. It said, I wanted to be an actress. And I was like, okay. So I knew that at 10, I was sure about that at 10. And, and I'm thinking it hasn't really changed because I was thinking about that. I was like, God, I really didn't know. Didn't I? Um, I think it was a way to tell stories and to disappear and bring people in with you. Um, it's like my, my sister had this thing about going to magic school at nighttime when I, when we would fall asleep and she would say, just, I'll see you in magic school. I'm going to bring you, we're going to go to the closet and we're going to go to a magic school in the middle of the night. She would go and, and I'd wake up and be like, you didn't take me. You forgot. She, every day she would say, you didn't, you didn't wake up. I had to go without you. And I knew it wasn't true, but to, to, to dive into that world, to dive into the imagination and really create your own safe place. It's just something that I'm, 
I'm never going to take for granted. And I think that's the part of our child selves that we can stay connected to with our imaginations. And it doesn't die if you don't let it. And I feel like I'm, I always get to work with my imagination as an actor. That's where I go. That's how I, that's how I explore these people, these real life people, or these, you know, these made up, these fictional characters. And, and there are no consequences. And I'm like, at the end, end of the day, I'm mostly unscathed, depending on the scene. You know, I'm, the fact that I can play a cop or I haven't played a cop yet, but see, it's my mom. That's why it went off. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's such a beautiful way to create and express yourself. Um, and I, I love getting to share that with people. I love getting to tell stories. I just even like seeing my, my, my daughter with the Easter bunny yesterday, it just, the, the effect you can have on people can, can be really extraordinary. I certainly fell in love with movies and TV and characters and stories when I was that age. Um, and it helped me get through cope. It helped me cope, you know, subconsciously, uh, with, with whatever was going on. You know, I'd put on Romeo and Juliet and I'd watch that love story unfold again, again, and again, and again. And, um, it's as cathartic for me to watch as it is to be in, and to create and to be part of that. And it's just like, yeah, it's nothing like, there's nothing better. Things come close for me, for sure. I'm, I'm a, I consider myself to be a fiber artist because I guess that's the category mm-hmm. and it, it feels really good. It's really therapeutic. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's more for me than it is for anybody else. And in terms of the acting, it could be half and half. And I think my daughter's an actor. <sighs> What, you know it already. Like she's like, yeah, wow. and and it's like I get it. it totally makes sense. Um, it scares me, but it's also like I totally get it. I, <laughs> you know, of course she is. Yeah, she's an actor. It's just it's in her bones. Yeah. I mean, look at her father. He's dancing around the house. <laughs> in your head, uh, Amanda. I love when good things happen to good people. Thanks. You're one. You're one of the good people. Um, I have now, I'd like to thank you for giving me the mission to make sure you're in Wicked. I will be pitching very quickly to have you and Samantha Barks on. So just so we can reenact this carpool karaoke. I just, I am ready now. (laughs) She is perfect. I am ready. You're ready. Now you feel like, how many years ago was this? The, the the conversation? Eight years ago, probably. Eight, Eight, really that long ago? Maybe more. Really? I don't, I cannot believe how much time has passed. Oh, you know, Samantha, it's going to happen. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be the best, it's going to be the best movie of the year. I can't wait. You're going to, you're going to be in Wicked. I will not, I will, I will personally not watch it or do anything with Oscar campaigning unless Amanda's in it. That's going to be my declaration. Thank you. Have you ever, have you ever hung out with uh, Adina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth, by the way? No. I mean, oh. Kristen, I've, I've met a bajillion times. I've never met Adina Menzel. So we're going we're to have you guys do it, and then they're going to sit in the back seat, and then you're just going to drive around somewhere. It's so funny. I already sent my um, my popular to John Chu. Um, John Chu and everybody at Universal. Like, I've literally sent. You're ready. <laughs> it's 
So no, it's not stupid. It's great. Like, go after it. If you want it, you get, you go get it. I see someone. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I know. You keep giving me these little notes. Like, I'm going to ask you just to sing me a whole song, but it's fine. I, I won't. I won't make you do that. It's fine. But if you're, yeah. feeling, if you're feeling, you, you know. can feel my enthusiasm. I, I got um, thank you, and uh, welcome to <laughs> the West Coast. <laughs> not officially yet, but. I hope to one day see you in 3D. Are you not going to the Oscars? No. No, I mean, no. Because no, no one can really go. There's like going to be some version of it. But listen, you have a great time there. We'll be cheering you on. It's going to be a good time. Wouldn't it be funny if there was an earthquake during the Oscars? No. Oh, my God, that'd be terrible. I'm bringing my satellite phone. Are you? Just because yeah. you're just ready? Wouldn't it be really? That's actually, I'm going to bring my satellite phone. Can you, can you, can you, like, it'd be hilarious though when they like name your category and they're like, Amanda, and they say your name and then they, they show your Oscar clip and they always cut to you. I want you to just pick up your satellite phone and just like, mimic. no, I'll, when I lose, I'll pick up my satellite phone and call my husband. <laughs> it'd be really funny because they always show the losers for so long. First of all, you don't even know that you're going to lose. This is the most wide open race ever. Unprecedented year brings unprecedented results. I think it's going to be you. I mean, but no, no. And she won the SAG award. She won the SAG award last night. She did. This was her first award. She did. But Maria got this critic choice. Yep. She, you got the SAG award. Uh, Olivia already got the Oscar. Glenn. Listen, you don't. You don't know. Has Glenn ever know. got an Oscar? Glenn? No. She's she's over eight right now. Well, this will be eight if she. Doesn't want for this to be over eight. Listen, like, go back. To, here, I'll give you a little Oscar trivia to go back to. Go back to Marsha Gay Harden and Pollock, 2001. She won her Oscar and she wasn't nominated for a Globe, SAG, BAFTA, nothing beforehand. Oh my God. And she, and she beat Kate Hudson, Frances McDormand, Julie Walters. Kate Hudson? Brilliant. Almost famous. Almost famous, of course. Yeah. I was like, yeah. what was it? Yeah. Who, Frances McDormand? Almost famous, uh, Julie Walters, Billy Elliot. Oh my God! And Judy Dench and Chocolat. That was that year. So get ready, Oscar Oscar shockers. They happen, and we and we love to see them. So don't. Yeah, what's the deal with Carrie? Uh, listen, you you don't you don't know you don't Who know. Viola Davis won. Viola Davis won, and that also unprecedented. We've never had a different actress nominate uh, win at every single award show. Everyone's going to walk in with like literally one, uh, just have uh, one, just one televised award. Yeah, it's open. So be I ready. I guess what would be nice is if every Academy Award nomin like nominated person got like um something gold to put on there because it means almost as much she had like a, like rings every ring for every nomination that like you get but then if you're Meryl Streep you just can't like open your fingers well you just have to get more fingers <laughs> yeah it's just, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> that's Amanda Seyfried Oscar nominated star of Mank currently streaming on Netflix
Another round stars Mads Mikkelsen as one of four friends, all high school teachers, who test a theory that they will improve their lives by maintaining a constant level of alcohol in their blood. An international co-production between Denmark, the Netherlands, and Sweden, the film is Oscar-nominated for Best International Feature Film and Best Director for Thomas Vinterberg. Clayton Davis spoke to Vinterberg about how his film was one of the most personal experiences of his life, faced with adversity and tragedy. They began by discussing how Vinterberg received the news of his Oscar noms. Wow, that was crazy. Uh, so, well, the, the, the nomination for International was something we were hoping for and had worked on really hard and, uh, and was such a huge uh, relief and joy for us when that happened. And we kind of felt this was it. And we had our heads down on our, in our phones when suddenly we heard my name again. And I basically fell off my chair. <laughs> uh, that, was a, that, was a, that was a surprise to me at, at first. And then I was overwhelmed with this. Uh, I was touched by it because, as you know, it's the branch voting for, you know. Um, so I realized that this is my director colleagues having pointed at me as a colleague. And I was re really moved by that. I've been receiving a lot of praises and emails and, and support from people, from my heroes, basically, in that branch. But, but having the nomination as well, was uh, I was touched by that. Awesome. You, you belong to two clubs now, Directors Branch and International, so you get to... Uh, yeah move around a little bit. You have friends in all the high places. But no, for, uh, honestly, congratulations. It was, it was very well-deserved. And uh, listen, this isn't the first time that anyone in, you know that follows awards has heard your name before because you have a very uh, impressive filmography uh, dating back many, many years. You also, keep a, you also kept a fun, long stat that I had brought up recently was the last time that Denmark won the Oscar. In 1989, Pell the Conqueror, that nomination morning also produced a surprise nomination in Max von Sydow, who had received no nominations from any other group prior to that. And I wrote an article prior to this. I said, I think we're going to get a Max von Sydow. It could be Thomas. It could be Mads. could be both. But I think that stat's going to come. So if it came... That means you're winning international feature. I'm not making a prediction. I'm just, you know, putting it out there just in case. But but your this prediction worked. You're you're a Oscar prophet. <laughs> Trying and, to be anyway. <laughs> no no no, that's great. Uh, you know, being in, in in a club with Max von Sydow it makes me very very proud. Yeah. I believe I did his last feature film, and I can tell you when he left the set. There was a standing ovation from the whole crew and everyone. And when he walked into the street, the street started to applaud him as well. He was uh, he was one of our heroes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So I mean, let, let's get let's get into another round. Um, you know, first of all, we're glad that you know now many audiences will will seek it out and and watch it. People have already watched it, but they now more will with the notoriety that the film has received. Uh, tell me where this idea, you had the idea to write the movie and then obviously make it. Um, 
it, it was the kind of idea that was difficult to find. I knew that I wanted to make a piece on alcohol. I looked at world history together with Tobias Lindholm, my co-writer, and, and realized um, how many great accomplishments that have been done by people who are drunk, basically, in, in world history. And, and it's not only Churchill and Hemingway. If you start counting, it's a lot. And also in the films that we've done before, uh, like in, in The Hunt, people around a table being drunk together was a place where we felt very, very comfortable and wanted to revisit. We, we really enjoyed making those scenes. Uh, and it was at, at the point where we ran into this so-called theory that human beings should be born with a little bit of alcohol in the blood. Uh, that's where the thing started to take shape and become a real storyline. It became an experiment. We decided they should become teachers so that we had the arena and, you know, then the ball started to roll from there. But it was a long process. Um, it, was a, it was a very interesting script to write this one because every time we did what we normally do, like trying to curate it and structure it and stuff like that, it became a little bit of castration. It was like the script had to be drunk and had to be a cocktail of all sorts of different genres. And, you know, we have tender scenes with people crying and we have a dance scene. We have, you know, it's a lot of things going on here. And, and I'm glad you, that was, you bridged me greatly to my next question about the genres. Like, it does cross through. I mean, it, it's heartbreaking. It's hilarious. The dance scene is incredible. I, I look for you in the dance scene just to see if maybe you popped in or, or not. <laughs> you know, just kind of like be in the background. I don't see you, though. I'm at the soccer field, but you have to look very careful. Are you? Okay. I'm a soccer mom. Just sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that was in, intentional. Uh, you, I think it mirrors a lot of what life is. Life is not just serious and it's not just funny. There's going to be uh, a, a, a blend of everything. Is that kind of what you were going a after? Cocktail. Well, we, a cocktail as well. Some would call it a mess, but I, I prefer to call it a cocktail. I, it was like this. It, with all the different elements of this movie pointing in different directions, uh, an element of honesty appeared with it. When we tried to polish it, it became a film film. You know, like when you add strings, it becomes a film. Uh, and this had to be raw and bumpy somehow. And, uh, and that was very different from what we normally do. Uh, that's very different from what we've been taught. So well, all we knew was that it had to end with a dance. <laughs> Just we back from there, just start at that point and just... Uh, well, I had an interesting conversation with uh, a fellow Dane, uh, Lars von Trier, uh, many years ago, where I said, so wh what do we know about writing? He said, I don't know, I don't know much about writing, other than uh, you have to save the best for the end, <laughs> which is, which we did. Yeah, no, you, yeah, you totally did. Uh, talking about Mads Mikkelsen, um, you know, you know, we a lot of audiences learned of, of, of your great work together with The Hunt uh, that was obviously uh, nominated for, for International Feature that year. And, uh, you know, you guys are coming back together for, for, for this. Um, and sometimes, you know, you see actors with certain directors and you just, it's the perfect marriage. It hits it out of the park each and every time. What has that connection been like for you with Mads? 
in terms of that, you know, that collaborative relationship? Um, with Matt, we're both friends and collaborators and we live very close to each other. So it all blends together. And it's been um, a fantastic ride with him both times. He's a very, very generous person. He's very, very energetic and very intelligent and incredibly precise. When I ask him to do things, when I give him 19 and a half note, he just puts it there. And uh, so when you have um, when you have an instrument playing this this beautifully and this precise, it's just a joy to be a director um, because he's just so good. And I have to remind you how much I'm giving him on his plate, how much I challenge him in this movie. He has to be tender and cry. He has to be fun. He has to be drunk at very specific levels. He has to have fights with his family and he has to dance. So it's, you know, it's, um, I kept him busy and he just loved the challenge and went went full harder for it. And we have a we have a very close relationship. So he has faith in what I'm saying, and I have faith in what he's doing. Basically, uh, is he naturally a great dancer? Or he had to train for this for this uh, performance he gives. On that he front? was a pro- he was a professional dancer for nine years, and that's what I, I knew that. And I wrote this part for him, so I always knew that he was a dancer and I wanted to see him dance. And uh, honestly, he found it a bit of a stretch <laughs> that a school teacher finally ends up in a dance at the end. So I'm, so, was- ang- I'm, I'm so angry that I didn't know that. And now I'm a little mad at you that you didn't make him dance more in the film. <laughs> because yeah, he has the training, he has the expertise. He should have been able to do it. Well, he was in his early twenties, you know, it was back then, but um he was still a great dancer. There were no stand-ins or anything. It's it's just him dancing, basically. Um, right. But, you know, I had to convince both him and my co-writer, Tobias Lindholm, because they they are, you know, reality rules kind of guys. And, and uh, you know, ending up in a dance was something we had to discuss before it happened. Yeah. How, how many how many takes did that, did that scene, how many shots did you do or how many takes did you take? Um, we we for for this particular for this one scene we had two cameras everything else is shot with one camera uh and there was a limit to how many times he could do it basically because he just almost did the whole thing every time but um we shot over a couple of days because we had we had some rain and stuff. i don't know how many takes we did um we shot a lot as much as we could until he was done <laughs> and uh but you know he did it brilliantly every time. It was also a lot about getting the extras into the the, the mode of ecstasy. Yeah. That took a bit of a while as well. Awesome. Um, you know how how does this experience of making this movie compare to all the other films you know you've made? You know you've been making film feature films since. But uh, I was looking back. Nineteen ninety six was like your first big feature. Uh, film, and then you know you made quite a lot uh, up until this point. But how does this differ to all those other uh, experiences? Uh, on a professional level, it's a very unique experience. This one, because of what I talked about before, because it was an untamable beast, and every time you tried to tame it, it was getting castrated, and that was both in the editing and the writing and in the shooting of it. 
Um, it will always be the most important film I've done because of my private circumstances. Uh, you, I don't know if you're aware, but I, I, I went through a, a, a huge tragedy while making this movie and it's made in the veins of that. So, so it's, it was something extra special. It was a film that we all did disarmed and uh, in grief and uh, very raw and very honest. I can I can say probably that this is the film I've done that comes most straight from the heart. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was aware of that. You know, I'm, I'm very. I always say, send you my condolences, and you know, very sorry for your loss. And and yeah, adding that piece, I'm, it, you know, it's going to be the most personal film, and we see that how personal it is. And yet, then, still, yet still, it's not autobiographical. It has nothing to do with our lives, basically. Yeah. But yes, it's personal, definitely. Yeah. I, absolutely. But I, I think about the the tragedy that you face, and I and I again, I know we've spoken a lot about it. I don't want to harp so much on it, but knowing your tragedy, and we get to the final scene, in particular, the dance sequence. Watching that in. I because I was aware I lost my face. I started crying a lot, and just because 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 it's very rare in film that you can feel the director in a scene and not see him present. Like it's it's a rarity, and it's because of that scene that you you see like the I feel the attempt to grab some semblance of joy left in this world, and maybe that's me just reading in, too much into it. Maybe that's just no, yeah, no, no, it's sad. You know, no, it's it's beautifully put, and I I'm not sure I can uh, say it more precise like that. We all wanted if there was should be a reason for us to go on with this movie. It had to be a tribute to her, to my daughter who lost her life four days into the shooting of this, and it had to be a celebration of the life we're given which can be taken away very very quickly. Uh, else it was pointless and everything was pointless. And this particular scene was very much for her. And in the film, it's very much for Tommy who lost his life. So it's, it's like as if the scene was a parallel to, to my life, very one-to-one. And the aftermath of, of this film, the, the life of this film has been very celebratory. There's been a lot of awards and great opening nights and box office, blah, blah. Uh, and, and it's like what my life has been one long version of that end scene because there's all this celebration and then there's all this grief. Uh, that combination is very... Um, Contrastful, I have to say. Uh, and uh, so if you felt that way watching the scene, I can tell you I did too. I was sitting there watching him dance with my, my family came in and we were all in tears. And it was a very special moment. Yeah, th- thank you very much for, for sharing. And uh, no, that's not, not easy to do. Um, uh, lo- looking now... Um, I want to ask you this in particular, uh, because of my role here at Variety, 
I speak a lot about diversity, representation, inclusion. Right. And, and on a global level, I, what I've been really trying to get people to understand is that I don't just, when I say that, I'm not just talking about the representation of Black people, you know, in front of the camera as acting nominees. I'm talking about diversity, inclusion, representation all around, and that includes international features, uh, you know, films not in the English language, uh, women in front and behind the camera. Like I'm going top to bottom. That's we want a global inclusion process. And your film, you in particular, getting nominated for best director, is that no one sees it as that because you know, you know, you you are from Denmark. You know, you we get that part, but no one knows another round. Really, in the, I'll say in my community, I live in the inner city, no one knows about the movie Another Round unless they hear about it at the Academy Awards. Because they don't, we don't, my community doesn't have that outreach to know what international features are. So this brings me to my question. How do you feel about the future of cinema as someone yourself who's made mostly Danish films? You made one English language, uh, sorry, the last one you made was Far From the Madding Crowd. Yeah. But... Yeah you don't have to just run into an English film to be seen by audiences. You can do what you want to do and still have it be seen by everyone. Well, that's a, it's a lot of things on, on, on your plate there. And, and definitely you're talking into a dilemma, which I'm not alone having. Um, being a European and from such a small language as things, we're only 5 million people we very often consider this. Uh, will we ever be included in the world cinema? And it's as if every time I do something very local uh, and it gets to a certain level of specificity, then it becomes universal. So ironically, the smaller it becomes, the bigger it, the approach becomes as well. And I, I, I don't want to throw that away. I've seen that in other movies as well. I saw that in Minari as well. I saw that in Hope from Norway, La Lorna. Those are all movies that are very specifically growing out of the soil from their own country. Um, that's one side of me. Another side of me finds it very uh, attractive to go abroad, meet new people, uh, the, the, the muscle of the Hollywood machinery and all of that. So it's an ongoing dilemma and, uh, and it's unsolvable for me. I hope that was what you were, were asking about. I mean, yeah, I, yes. And, and, fact, yeah, and, the, and, the, and the great thing here, I think is what you alluded to, is that you can tell a story of your community. Like, you know, you said you're small, 5 million people. And it still resonates. It still touched me. I'm not from Denmark. I've never been to Denmark. I'd love to. So you can invite me anytime you feel like it. But, <laughs> but you know, I, you know, you tell the very personal story of something that's very local to you, but it, it touches people globally. And I think that's what we've been kind of like punching Hollywood to like to to unlearn is that that it, that, you know, something so specific can't reach everyone. But things are changing. Parasite won the Oscars last year. 
uh, no matter how much your ex-president liked it or didn't like it, 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 it won the Oscars. And uh, so things are moving. And I even think that, that the streaming services are helping in that regard. They might create a problem in the cinemas, but they, they do create a more international atmosphere. People are curious about things that is not only in their own native tongue, I think. Uh, or at least I hope. Yeah, I feel like I should make sure ex-president, ex-president, he's the, he, he didn't like it. Or current president, I don't know what he thought, but ex-president. Yeah, I gotta always make sure. I, I know we have made fun of a lot. I did say ex. I did say ex. Oh, yeah. I did? Okay, so, then, so we're good. Okay. Yeah. He, he's just not here and it's good. <laughs> um, so let, let me ask you now, uh, future for you, you, Thomas Vinterberg, what movies are you working on next? You're still very young. You still, I feel t- 20 more movies out of you. What do you want <laughs> What do you want to, what are you making, but what do you want to make that you're still waiting for someone to give you the dollars for? Because I could text them real quick and let them so, know. So I'm, I'm writing my own TV series at the moment, moment because I've been wanting to do that since, since my first, well, since the celebration in 98 or something. Uh, and now I'm finally doing that. So I'm working on that. I'm reading scripts from, from your area. Uh, and, um, and that's very exciting too. Uh, what would be a dream for me would be to develop, to combine everything so that I develop my own stuff with my own voice, but in a language that more than 5 million people can understand. Um, and I, but I just have to find the right project to do that. Uh, the series I'm working on, uh, I'm very excited about that as well. Has that been announced publicly yet? It has, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. but you know, discreetly. Because there was another another film going on. (laughs) Okay, pretty good. All right, and then um, is there any desire for yourself to... Because Mads, uh, Marvel got their hands on him at some point. You know, he was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Big big budget projects for you. Is there any desire to do something like $200 million budget and a big sweeping epic or something that just like, you know, blows the screen off? You know, it's a very interesting thing, this. Uh, it's a bit like falling in love. You, you meet someone who looks really hot, but you don't fall in love. And then you meet someone else and you, there's just something you cannot live without. And it's the same thing with, with projects. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. And it doesn't really matter about the size. Uh, it's, it's a chemical reaction that has to happen because any size of movie is very difficult. It's very difficult to make a low-budget movie as well. <laughs> so, um, and it's a couple of years of, of your life. So if there is this spark, um, and if there's this thing where you try to reject it and it comes back to you at night, then I'm in for it. And that could be any kind of movie. Is there any desire for you to make a horror film, like a real like slasher horror movie? I don't know why I think you're going to be. Um, some of the most beautiful films have been horror movies. I know. And if we look back a little bit back, I'm old. You said I was young, but in reality, I'm a little bit old. So, uh, a film like Don't Look Now, or The Omen, or are some of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Don't Look Now it contains the, the greatest love scenes and sex scenes of all, the, and it's still a sort of horror movies, 
a horror movie. And and um, oh yeah, so I would never uh, reject a horror movie script. No, I'm just taking notes here. Just kind of want to. I'm gonna throw some projects at you from some other directors. I'm like, you know, you should. Some studios need to grab uh, Vinterberg and just let him do whatever he wants. I, I want that one project that's just like you off the reins and just doing whatever you want. I can't wait for that that version. Uh, I want that too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of wraps up my questions here today, but I mean, listen, I, again, another round is, is, is beautiful. I'm so, I'm so glad that it exists in this year of cinema that should still be celebrated despite a very, very difficult time that, that we, uh, we faced globally, but, uh, cinema is in really good hands with guys like you. Uh, making movies in it. So we're excited for your thank, I want to thank you for the support. And, you know, not only from this interview and, and uh, because that's what, that's what films with this, a language like ours need. And uh, so, uh, so from the humble kingdom of Denmark, we thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and support and attention. Exactly. I, I want to make sure I'm saying, is, is the Danish pronunciation, is it Druk or Druk? Druk. 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 Yeah. It's a word that doesn't exist in English. It's like if you go to Greenland, they have a lot of words for snow. And in, in Denmark, we have a lot of words for drinking. Really? <laughs> well, not really. It's kind oh, of... Yeah, really. But, but, but Druk does not exist in English. And it means sort of like heavy drinking. Mm. But it's less poetic than the English title. It's, oh. a, bit more, it's a bit more brutal. Oh, it's, it's great. Oh, I, I, I should have asked this uh, first at the top of the meeting. What's your favorite drink? What's the drink that Thomas Vinterberg orders at a, at a bar? At the moment, it would be a Sazerac because that's what they drink in the movie. And it gives you a very quick start. At my age, hmm. you very quickly get uh, dozy and, and tired. So you, you need a quick start, and that would be a Sazerac. Ah. It, it has a lot of alcohol and a lot of spark. Uh, or it would be a vodka soda because the bubbles ignite things. Mm-hmm. Uh, bubbles make things. If you look a little bit into alcohol, you'll know that that the bubbles uh, make you drunk quicker. Basically. I like it. I love it. I'm sorry. I do have one more question. I forgot this. Are you going to the Oscars? And if you're going, who are you going with? Um, I'm invited plus one. So me and my wife um, will go if we can get allowance to enter the country, uh, which I think and hope and work on. Cross, yeah. cross our fingers. Thank you. Right. Well, listen, we hope we hope you're here. We'd love for you to be here. And good luck on April 25th. And Samuel Goldwyn Films, good company that came to the rescue for you and seeing that. Yeah. Film. They, they've been amazing. It's been a great, great, great collaboration. That's Thomas Vinterberg, Oscar nominated for directing Another Round, now available on demand and streaming on Hulu. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. And also head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. 
For Janelle Riley, Jazz Tanke, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Get ready for a one-of-a-kind event you don't want to miss. Variety's Entertainment Marketing Summit, presented by Deloitte. Register now for this free virtual event, featuring powerful conversations with brand leaders from companies such as Disney, Amazon Prime Video, iHeartMedia, TikTok, and more. They'll discuss the entertainment industry's evolving digital trends, storytelling strategies, and new platforms to deliver marketing messages. Registration is free, but required for virtual access. So visit variety.com slash marketing summit now. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.